Hi, my name is Cesar Cavazos and welcome to Friction Law. I am joined by my co-host Rick Blaylock and we are here to bring you the best insights of UX, developer experience and how we experiment with the extraction of joy, struggles and other emotions when using technologies. Let's get started. Let's talk about um, the website, setting it up, setting the blog, registering for the podcast, um, using this new technology to build the whole stack. Um, what was the process like for you, Rick? That was fun. You know, I, I always like to uh, try new things out and um, using the website as a, a playground for new things. I haven't, um, I've never tried Next.js. I've always wanted to try it. So I got to use that for the site, which was kind of cool. Um, so I like the server side rendering of, of all that. And then I've always wanted to use graph CMS too. And so we're using that. So, um, it's kind of fun to, to use this stuff to build out the site, but then also to use it for friction logs <laughs> to kind of seed the content. So, um, uh, that, I think it worked out kind of, kind of well. <laughs> yeah. I really like the double purpose of some of these things. So in my case, uh, getting that uh, initial website and deploying it using Vercel uh, uh, really was a good experience. Like think through the process, I was concentrated. I was getting the real experience of uh, of trying a new tool, um, as well as um, hitting those roadblocks and and those frictions. Um, thinking a little bit more in detail where with other technologies or at some other times I just go and do it and I don't even get a sense of if it was a good tool or a bad tool. I think that was a great experience. So what, um, had, had you used, you'd never used Vercel before, right? Or Zite no, for the people um, that know, Zite for the people that, uh, <laughs> that, that know it from a few months ago. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. So no, I did use, um, got the Gatsby. I had a, a personal blog that I built in Gatsby JS and it was deployed through Netlify. So I was a little bit familiar with the process. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but Bursal was totally new. So bringing those two together and having that a little bit of background, just one personal website, um, and bringing that into Bursal was a new, um, a new way to think about like, what are the pros and cons usually, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but usually you pick one technology, what go with it with the project. And in six months down the road, you want to change it because you never tested this other tool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's, that's me every, not every six months, every month, I think. <laughs> six months is like 20 tech years. So that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. And there are people that like to learn from others experience, right? So this is what we're trying to do here where there are, people that like you and I that go and try um, multiple technologies, different things, you don't mind rewriting the same website or the same mobile app three or four times in a, in a two year span just to learn and keep learning. But not everybody's like that. Yeah. And, um, and not every company is like that. Like when you're looking out for a technology for a company, you got to make these decisions that are going to last like two, three, five, 20 years uh, if we ask some of the folks out there, so um, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, right. that's a good point. So, developer experience. How do you define developer experience? 
Oh man, that's such a loaded question. You know, there was a great thread on on Twitter. Chris Coyier started it. Um, he asked that question, "What's DX?" And man, there were so many different um, different viewpoints. Like, I look at DX because, like, kind of my world has been developer experience, just you know, in products, and commercially, and you know, business, and all that kind of stuff. So, it to me, it's a positive connotation. Mm-hmm. It's a Oh yeah, focus on making the developer more productive or more happy or uh you know, bug-free code and this and that and the other. But there's a whole slew of people that look at developer experience like it's negative, like oh, developer experience means that user experience for the end user is going to be bad because developers um make you know their lives easier and the user suffers for it and so i didn't even realize that so um anyway a lot lots of people have weird definitions and interesting definitions and cool definitions i look at it as um you know from engineering manager perspective from a developer engineer perspective um the the thing that delights a developer the thing that helps them do their job better more efficient write better code um, more efficient code, um, th- that kind of thing, you know, frictionless development. Um, that, that's how I look at developer experience. Um, I know there's a lot of people that have di- other different opinions on it, but that's how I look at it. What about you, Cesar? So I, um, I am obsessed with user experience as a consumer. So I really like um, apps and my wife will complain about me complaining about every app that I use or download. So um, I bring that back into the developer side of me that likes to create these apps. And I think that also our tools should be like that. There should be, um, it should save me time on the things that I don't want to do or that I don't care or things that are already sold by somebody else. If I am trying a new framework or paying for a technology, I, I want that to um, bring a benefit of things that I, at the end of the day, I don't want to do. I want to build the software that I'm doing um, and I want to focus on that that side of things without thinking on um, the image performance, for example, or the, uh, of the resizing of the images. I, I don't want to deal with that. Somebody else has done it. If somebody offers a product, I want it to solve that and just that which makes me think about developer experience as um, the practice of helping within the community. Not everything is free, not everything is paid, but um, you got to take your risks on what you pick and what you try it out and what you deploy to production. Mm-hmm. But building that community as developers, if I'm going to put something out there for other developers, I want it to be great. I, don't, I want them to say, oh, this guy made made this uh, this tool or this framework really easy to use, um, really easy to make my life easier, and then bring some something. So it's a little bit uh, something back. So it's a little bit of giving and then receiving and keep up the high high standards. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely does. And there's definitely something rewarding with delivering something that gives good developer experience and empowers people to make something that you never dreamed of. I mean, you know how it is when we both worked at Accelerator and like there'd be these customers like, hey, look at this thing I built. And you're like, what? 
and they're, you know, they're in like England or Egypt or somewhere. And it's like, they're changing their community, um, based on some, something that you helped build, you know, so they could go build something you never imagined. It's, it's really rewarding, you know? Yeah. Um, that was, that was a truly global impact, uh, throughout my, uh, the last years I have also seen where building an iPad application has helped, uh, companies, um, bring, um, drugs or, uh, medicines for, uh, for people that are outside of the U S, um, to, um, people that need them faster. So, um, I remember having a team where they were very frustrated about this application, uh, that it was, um, that it was an iPad app where we will have to, um, do a lot of calculations, uh, Mm -hmm. to bring the potential plan of a new drug into a given region or a given country. And that ended up uh, speeding up the process six to 12 months. Uh, and I, uh, I kind of like realized we're literally saving lives. We're getting paid. We're not doing it for free. Let me, let me be clear on that. But uh, <laughs> we were getting paid, but we're literally making an impact in people's lives so they can get this medicine faster so they can... Um, find a cure for, for that disease. I cannot take, tell a lot about it, but, mm-hmm, um, right. but it is something that uh, I even see it on commercials these days on the TV. And I'm, I'm surprised that, oh, that wow. we made That's it cool. work. So yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Um, so developer experience, it brings all of those things about uh, not only user experience, but also uh, the community and the developers that are out there. And I, I right. think in the last few um, months or years, I had been more quiet on Twitter where uh, before that I was trying to share more and I'm trying to bring that back um, mm. because um, isolation is no good for, for developers. So yeah. I wanted to, to bring that. And when, when you and I talk about starting this, I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. I want to learn um, how to give back and how to show, uh, show some of that. So, um, right. that is, uh, kind of like the full circle for me for developer experience. Right. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Which brings us to friction lock. So, um, what is friction lock? Yeah. I mean, well, how about before, before, before we talk about what is a friction lock, let's talk about why why we're doing this. So like, I, I think we, you touched on one thing, which is developer experience. Um, but then also, um, and then you mentioned for yourself, you, um, you, you're looking for an outlet, right? You're looking for an outlet to, to get more involved in the community and even create community and help, help people. And I think that's, that, that's a good reason why. And then for me too, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, I like to try things out and it's kind of, you know, tech and coding and engineering, all that. It's, it's as much a hobby for me than is a job. Um, if I didn't have a job doing what I'm doing, I would still be doing, you know, tech, you know, at at night. (laughs) So I'm always trying out new things and playing with stuff. And, and, um, for me, it's like, well, if I'm doing this stuff, I might as well talk about it. And, you know, people will, uh, people want to know about it. If if it's interesting to me, then surely it's interesting to somebody else. So that's kind of the why for me, um, apart from like the DX and the community, like we just talked about. Um, 
but uh, I think for me is it's also about uh, you mentioned a little bit tech reviews, right? So you're trying out these mm. technologies, you're doing it by yourself, and that brings to some tech reviews. So um, I like to to start small projects or big projects, and I like to pick the best tool for for that specific application. Um, and when I look for that, there is no um, it's all very subjective in a way that um, you don't really get, you get the opinion of one or two people that wrote a medium uh, blog post, right? Yeah, um, yeah you're and right. It was That's their experience yeah. and their shortcoming. And when we talk about this, is there has to be a better way. There is definitely context, and we're going to talk a little bit about what it is uh, later, but there right. is enough context to have a method to evaluate these things in a very um, objective way so other people can uh, see that evaluation a little bit farther than just a tech review. Now, yeah. tech reviews and app reviews are getting better every day. People are, are looking for that. Uh, this is our way to show uh, that we are building a method. We are um, giving a fair chance to every framework uh, to try it out. We try um, to not have, uh, how do I say, predispositions on on things where like, oh, I don't like this tool because it's from this company. So we're trying to leave all of that and bring something that it is a fair evaluation. So you as developer, as part of the community, you could uh, make the decision to use it for your project, knowing that it was evaluated the same as other tools. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Uh, you know, on the tech review part, that's a really good point because you've got like um, these different sides of the spectrum where on the one side, you've got like the Gartner and Forrester analysis, you know, enterprise type stuff. And it's, you know, it's kind of like the tech mob. Um, you know, pay us for protection and we'll, we'll write a review and, you know, and it's really, really heavy handed, um, very curated, um, some of this good market information. Um, but then on the other side, you've got like what you mentioned, the medium blogs and you're like, man, I don't know if this guy knows what he's talking about, or is this even right? Because I just read this other medium review that says that that's not how render works in react. And you know, it, it's hard to kind of figure out what, what, what the, what the truth is and all that stuff. So, so they, I think that's a good point about the tech review stuff. Um, and then what we, yeah, like you said, like what, what we want to do is we want to um, bring tech reviews that it's not just a review of the technology. It's actually user experience, developer experience of the technology specifically, not the market, not the business case per se. It's, it's really just DX UX. Um, yeah, I think that's what we want to focus in on, which is fun. That's I think that's you and I both like to do that stuff anyway, so it's good. <laughs> that is the fun part, indeed. Um, so yeah, you as a developer, you will figure out the business case or the use case for the tool. But here's just the tool, how it works, how easy it is to use, or some of the things that you're gonna know because they're not that obvious. Hopefully, some of those reviews and some of those friction logs go back to uh, the uh, people that create that tool and they make it better. So we, we do intend to, to give that feedback out. We want you to, to give it like, hey, somebody's building this for us and let's talk about it, right? Let's try to make it better. 
because as you said, the gardeners and the foresters, um, I remember you were talking about our early days when we worked together at Auxilier, and <laughs> we saw so many um, abstract reviews where they were comparing um, apples to oranges. It was not even not even close, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and it was it was all uh, it was all based on what they thought the market needed. But then you will see that the, the, it was totally opposite to what the developers were looking for. And that was a yeah. lot of uh, a lot of disconnection. So, um, yeah. yeah, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about um, what what is a friction log in a general sense. Um, so you you might hear some companies actually use that term friction log if you haven't heard that term before. Um, for those that are listening, um, and and a friction log is it's really just an exercise. It's it's a um, a user experience study, if you will, where a user just goes through and um, tries out a feature or tries out a product or goes through documentation and sees like if it's new documentation on a feature and if they can actually do what they're supposed to do using that. Um, and, and what they do is they, um, they log anything really um, emotions, any kind of friction or feeling of like frustration, oddities, difficulties, if it's good, Maybe there's some delighting delights that they run into that they'll write down, um, and so it's it's that's generally called a friction log, and a lot of companies they do that, um, and uh, it, it's a good exercise to highlight um, what's missing in a product, what's uh, overlooked in a feature, um, you know, because product management and engineers might go away and build something and they think it's perfect. And it's like, Oh wait, the documentation is perfect. It makes perfect sense to me. And it's, of course it makes perfect sense to you. You wrote the code, <laughs> you created the product, but does it make sense to somebody who, who doesn't know how to use it? And that, that's the in context. general sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's in ge- general sense, what a friction log is. I think it's why we, we want to call this podcast and the website and all that friction log um, to kind of highlight that type of exercise. I like uh, the fact that you point, um, you use the word uh, feature, right? So friction log doesn't really focus on an entire application or an entire framework or or something big. It is based on a use case, which usually um, 90% of the time is mapped to a feature. And um, you will see friction logs from us of the same technology, but we will always start with, I want to do this and I want to deploy it this way, or I want to use this new thing that they just announced. Um, and I want to f- like fill it. Right. And yep. the other thing that I like that you pointed out was the documentation. Um, hello to our friends at Apple where, where the SDK is not the best documented SDK ever. And uh, every <laughs> iOS developer spends time on stack overflow because that seems yeah. to be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, for sure. <laughs> uh, although uh, we're on WWDC uh, uh, week, and uh, so far I have seen great documentation for the new framework. So, um, yeah, it's it's good that that is getting better. But yeah, the documentation on the um, of the SDKs or tools they uh, they lack context, right? Even the terminology it could be very, very small. And we want to point out those things. So mm-hmm. even new developers can come into the tool, to your uh, tool or your SDK, and can really grasp what you're trying to address and what's the need that you're trying to address. So that is um, 
something that friction logs will uh, give you um, access to. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be um, doing some of these friction logs um, type things, and we'll just document them. We'll talk about them on the podcast. You'll see them on the website um, and that kind of thing. And uh, we're, we're going to try to surface UX specific things around it. Like, you know, there's POLA, Principle of Least Astonishment, Hicks Law, Miller's Law. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, can be surfaced and, and we'll talk a lot about that. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, UX studies that we're going to bring in and we're going to try to help out. And um, some of you might be familiar with them. Some of you may not. We're going to try to bring one of them and go um, deep dive on every episode. So we talk a little bit about it, um, and then we we proceed to that friction log where we will see that principle. So you can even um, look for them when you're trying out new tools, or if you want us to go and uh, and try out uh, your new uh, tool or feature or or application. Uh, you know what what is about, and hopefully that brings to an overall. Um, better software development experience and and a better a better developer happier developers I want to say um, mm-hmm. so right now they're they're based on on UX research right but we're uh, being both technical we're bringing it to a developer experience what does the developer feel which um, developers make um, not the best software like that's why we need designers right so yeah. we don't make the best the prettiest software and there is just a few out there that can do uh, code and design at the same time, um, which means that the same design principles might not apply for developers, right? Uh, so it, it's a little bit of that balance where end users are uh, interact with tools in one way and developers uh, interact in another way. So we want to bring that, that into it. And, and as you said, so we have a few, a few laws, a few principles, a few uh, things that we found out on the web, and we're going to call out who, who uh, <laughs> pointed out, uh, and hopefully that will that will give you just a better uh, experience. Yeah, some of these are um, like the the principle of least astonishment or principle of least surprise, however you call it. You know, there, there's some of those things like that. It, it's always fun to when you're going through a friction log and you're in the middle of uh, you know just documenting or just thinking in your mind oh how's my experience going and you're like man i'm just really surprised that they're doing this or they they don't have this or they don't and um, it's funny how that really plays on your mind and, and the, the impression you have on a on a product because like uh, astonishment or surprise in that case that that principle that principle of least astonishment is not a good thing it's a bad thing you know you're, you're the the whole point of user experience is you're never surprised you're you're using it and you go of course it's supposed to work that way that's just how it's supposed to work <laughs> um so it, it's it is fun going through these logs and, and and seeing how these uh these behavioral things come to light even for developers it's interesting yeah, and and some of the uh, other tools out there that you might have tried before um, we'll do it, right? So that's when you say, like, oh, I can't believe this is not in here. It should be one of those things. And um, just because everybody has its own experiences and we even talk about building, um, using the same tool, you and I, um, and doing like a challenge of what is the friction logs that you're finding versus the ones that I am finding. 
and see how that compares because it's still going to be uh, from one uh, person point of view. So we want to make sure that it is, um, you may have had experience with other tools in that field and you know how they are supposed to work where I don't or the other way around. And that that is kind of like the beauty mm-hmm. of that because it builds technologies. It's not a coincidence that there are um, things that compete with each other very closely, right? And, and it's because they're trying to address the same issues and they're trying to bring uh, features to apply to some use cases and some of those things. So um, that's going to be the fun part, definitely. Uh, and as you said, we are doing multiple, um, I want to call it what, media. We're doing blogs. We're doing uh, these podcasts. We're doing um, the YouTube videos. Basically, we're recording ourselves and how we're using these tools. They're really long videos for people that want to get deep dive into what we were thinking yeah. Um, we are talking while we're uh, developing. So we want to bring all these media to have just enough information for anybody out there to really enjoy this friction log. So um, the blog posts are going to be yeah. short and sweet. They're going to line up the things that we uh, that we found. Um, this podcast is meant to be a little bit longer than that. We want to talk a little bit about how we felt more than just uh, the uh friction logs that are documented and of course the whole source of truth the youtube right. video that you actually made it and you actually record that um, that is going to be available as well yeah you know it's you know it's funny cesar um on the youtube video i thought because it i try to time box them two hours um because that's about how much time i have at night to try something out you know and i thought that the only people that would be interested in that would be the people that built the product or built the feature or, you know, the company that, um, but I, I sent it around just to get some feedback from a bunch of people. And I, I've heard from a lot of people that are like, Oh, this is really interesting. And I was kind of surprised by that because I would never sit and watch a two hour movie or a video of somebody <laughs> trying something out for the first time. Um, I just, it's just not me, but, um, there's a lot of people that are like, no, no, I love to watch that. And that's, I guess that's a thing. Um, so yeah, so I I think there's an there'll be enough content generated from one friction log, podcast logs, you know, um, text form on the website, and then YouTube, that hopefully we cover um, enough personas to use product design speech, um, you know, to cover interest areas. Uh, but I was surprised about the YouTube thing. Um, there was, I got a lot of good feedback I on that. Would never imagine that. Um, I'm I am more like you in the sense that um, I have a couple of hours at night and I want to do something. I want to actually go and do it, right? Um, and I'm more of a right. Um, I don't want to say old school, but I like to read documentation and blog posts and, and things that are being built because I can time my speed where watching videos for me, especially around tech, it's a little bit more um, tedious in a sense that I get bored and I get distracted and I get multitasking on some of the things and then I got to rewind it. So the speed of the videos for me is a little bit uh, different, but yeah, everybody's different. So I'm glad that people are enjoying it and and uh, we're going to keep doing it. So <laughs> that's not going to change. So Cesar, what... um. What, what, you you got to give everybody uh, your background here. Um, you got a cool background um, starting up your own little business in Mexico and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you got to give the 
the listeners a bio. All right. The, the five-minute version or the 50-minute version? <laughs> uh, the 48-second yeah, the version, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was born, and then I learned IT, and then I'm here. Um, that's as short as I can put. <laughs> that worked. That's an amazing story. So um, no, I, I I did um, start. So I was always a um, fan of using computers. Uh, at the time when I was a kid, um, there was not a lot out there. Uh, but my dad had a business, and he used computers to produce invoices and do all of that stuff. Which brings me to my first uh, company. Um, where I would be the one breaking the uh, the computer, right? This we're talking about uh, Windows 3.1 and um, MS DOS, and it was it was um, I I played games in in little uh, three and a half uh, uh, drives, so it was, uh, and I would eventually just break the computer. <laughs> um, so. Um, Moving towards that, I went into uh, computer science, or um, they had a fancy name for it now, but it's basically computer science and technology. Um, that was that was my career choice. My second career, for the ones that that know me, was uh, around cooking. I love to cook. It has a method like developing software that I just enjoy, and I like to try things out. And sometimes things are. Um, delicious and tasty and sometimes i gotta redo it or order pizza but um so <laughs> in the middle of college i didn't want to end up with a huge uh debt so i start uh, my own business so my dad moved to another business he needed a point of sale system the government back in mexico was doing these electronic invoices um so i decided to build a point of sale and resell it across the local market and a few other things. So I ended up selling it around like 50 times. Um, I had a co-founder, um, a colleague from, that I met at, at college, and we ended up uh, doing a good business. It paid for the rest of uh, my college, and it allowed me to do the next, uh, the next move. It was around uh, mobile. So um, Apple was coming up with um, iOS, and the iOS SDK was out there. And I saw it as kind of like my new uh, my new passion, right? I, the moment I saw the iPhone, I'm sure mm, a lot yeah. of people identify with that. Yep. Um, and then they show this SDK, and oh my god, it was horrible. Just remembering Xcode 3.2 um, and the first iOS SDKs that was <laughs> that was painful. Like we have come a long ways now. Um, but I'm moving to mobile, uh, so I'm moving to mobile. Sold my business to my um, my partner at the time. Uh, moved to Guadalajara. Started working with a company as just a software engineer on the mobile side. Um, and one of our customers was Accelerator, and um, that's when I met you. Basically, they put us in the same project, uh, and we started building this application. So uh, I, yeah, I built a few right. apps before that, uh, but that was one of was that was that the first project. Was that the first project where we had to fly to Delaware? Uh, and you took me to that really lame movie. <laughs> that was our second uh, project, I think. We, we did movie. a couple of S- Something Earth or something with Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. That was 
That was your the, fault. The project or the movie? <laughs> I think the movie was the movie. Was <laughs> fault. The project, yeah, it was probably my fault. But um, that was. Um, I, I think uh, yeah. we built this iPad app for for some events and some uh, some um, for a news company. That was the first big one, and then yes, we built another insurance. We did everything uh, back in the day. So we were both in professional services. Yeah, yeah. I know you're going to tell your side of the story. Um, I was the senior in, in that uh, relationship, even though I had like two um, two years of experience or so, um, just for the record. Uh, and then I moved. So uh-huh, I, I uh-huh. continued to do mobile. Uh, I really like the consulting side of things. So I moved into um, a couple of other companies, one of them being Propelix that was uh, sold and acquired by an exonet back in, couple of years ago, 2018. Uh, and I grew a lot there on my consulting uh, side of things, which led me to try a bunch of different things. Uh, a lot of technologies that all the customers were using uh, and also building this uh, great app. So I started as a mobile architect and then climbed until uh, I became the chief uh, architect on the mobile side for the new company. Um, that included Everything from native to Xamarin to um, Ionic to Upside or Titanium, uh, basically a little bit uh, of everything and met great people, spent, uh, learned a lot, and then it was time to move on. So nowadays I switch away from mobile, although it's still my personal hobby and, and, I'm, and I'm a big uh, coder. I would say more than web, I do mobile. Uh, but now I am on the cloud side of things. So I work in an IBM team and I, um, and I do cloud integration. That includes uh, Docker, Kubernetes, OpenShift. I meant to say uh, and a lot of integration products. So that's a whole, uh, whole other area that I'm enjoying right now. And I have been there for coming up on a year now. And so far, so good. Uh, so far, learning a lot. And that is, yeah. that is the three-minute thing. <laughs> What's what's more complicated, mobile development or Kubernetes? Um, <laughs> talking about, uh, let me see, let me say, so no matter where you see them, although PLIST and XMLs are not that easy. Um, I wish everybody just adopt uh, JSON. <laughs> um, they're different. The front end is more rewarding. You're building the experience. You're building the app. You're uh, you're you're doing something right. Yeah, Where sure. on the cloud side, um, usually eighty percent of my conversations are around disasters, right? Disaster recovery, high availability. What happens if these yeah. uh, services are not yeah. running? You don't see any of that. So it's great when something bad happens and the solution that you built just works. Um, but it is not something that you, on a day-to-day basis, you're seeing what's going on. Um, and usually, not a lot of people see like huge demand or the auto-scaling or some of the, the fancy features that the cloud uh, brings, especially on Kubernetes. Um, it's not like usually you don't get involved into, into those. Uh, usually, those are other teams for deployment. So development side of things, you're usually lower environments. And everything is working up until you get into these uh, spikes of demand. And then uh, they call you up and say, why is this not working? <laughs> so 
um, different different areas. I enjoy yeah. both because um, doing the front end allows me to think better on the cloud side, what it's need. And the other way around, I consume a lot of APIs of all different kinds, good ones, bad ones, um, a lot of authentication flows that I don't want to remember. And now that I'm on the other side and I can I can fix some of that, I, I am quite happy. So um, it's a different kind of... Uh, experience i would say there's no bad apis ssr only misunderstood ones okay never mind that's not true no. um especially so <laughs> not true <laughs> we were talking about um, that electronic invoice system in the government from mexico they still use um, soap and it's all xml based and um and up until i have to reach out to them my stack is way more modern in a way that even the provider cannot cannot really reply <laughs> to to me uh, and and to some degree a lot of the clients are doing that like a lot of the people that have to interact with that api have a much modern a standard but just uh, and governments and and some uh, some uh, industries they take a lot of time to to uh, bring that up to speed to what we call modern now so that's it. Um, technology all around, a little bit of cooking, um, a little bit of uh, traveling, of course. <laughs> so for the last uh, seven years, I have traveled um, quite a few miles. Um, not this year, though. This year has been, I think I have stayed at my home for longer than in the last uh, six, seven years. So um, good change. Uh, I'm not in a rush to go back to an airport right now. <laughs> but why don't we move to the... Yeah, me uh, other interesting part. <laughs> what is Rick's background? Uh, I'm sure a lot of people will know you. Oh, I don't. I don't have a background. No, I don't have a background. Oh, you don't want to talk about the uh, Drupal <laughs> and Joomla and and all those tools that you. That... Oh, <laughs> I'll talk about Joomla. Joomla. I like Joomla a little, bit, a little better than Drupal. I'm not a Drupal fan. I'm just not all a, that PHP that, that created you. <laughs> Is, is, um, is yeah, what we so have I, right now. That's the either. Oh man, you know I, I haven't touched a line of PHP in ten years. Look it's been you. ten years since I've touched PHP. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so I the way I got into it, I um, I mean as a kid, you know, we had a computer and and I had read a couple of little books when I was a teenager to like hack some things like little scripts and stuff. I think I hacked that game tie fighter back in the day. Um, and somebody I read somewhere on the internet, how to do it. And that was my first introduction, but I never got into coding until college. Um, really. And I, I was a music major, so I didn't even, um, you know, I didn't study computer science. Um, but I just started learning how to build websites and learning backend code and MySQL and all that stuff. And then um, sometime in mid two thousands, I, I landed into the Mambo community, which um, was before Joomla. And then it broke off and turned into Joomla, which is a, if people don't know who that is or what that is. That's an open source CMS like WordPress or Drupal. Um, so I got big into that community for a while and then, um, started my own company. I lived in Peru for a while and, and did that kind of like freelance and then moved back to the States and, um, just did like professional service stuff for a while. And, um, this technology came out, well, iOS came out and I was all about that. So I was learning Objective-C and building an app. And then 
Accelerator came out with the Titanium SDK, which was, you know, Titanium back in the day was like the original gangster of JavaScript um, mobile apps. It, it was basically like what Re- React Native, how React Native works, for those who don't know what Titanium is. Um, so I loved it. I fell in love with it, started playing with it, and um, entered a competition back in the day when Chris Coyer was working at Wufu and some of the other guys that I think are at CodePen. Um, they were working at Wufu, which is a form builder, Y Combinator startup. And uh, they ran this really cool hackathon competition where you could win a battle axe. Um, so I, I used titanium to um, for the hackathon entry, and I, I ended up winning, which is crazy. And um, then Accelerator called me like a month later or something and was like, hey, um, you, you want a job? Um, so, so I, I got in, I, Oh, my cousin introduced me to their VP of marketing. That's how that conversation happened. Um, and long story short, I ended up working at for accelerator. Um, and then that's where I met you worked there for a while and then did a couple other things, worked for IBM, worked for, um, an AI solutions company. And, uh, I got a side business called fish rules. the really popular mobile app, um, for fishermen. We got about two hundred thousand monthly active users, um, so that's that's one of my side hobbies too. Um, We're gonna yeah, do a friction cool. log of um, fish rules. I'm gonna be fish rules. There's no friction, <laughs> zero friction. It's a lot because I don't live near the coast, so I am not gonna see any fish around here. I have a reamer, so let's let's try it out. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, cool. that, that's that's. Uh, that's good. We're gonna we're gonna put a little picture of the axe in, in the chapter image, so uh, so everybody can see it. I did join a few hackathons. Uh, one of them being uh, Hertz, um, the company that it is now um, bankrupt. <laughs> I think it is. Um, so uh, we, we all, and and we did one um, <laughs> best business idea uh, with a yeah. few friends, and we built an app with Titanium back in the day. Uh, it was fun. It was it was really easy to do it, and a lot of people were surprised on how fast we could build it. And it was a whole idea around uh, sharing car rentals with other people in your company. So it was towards uh, business, um, and it was it was one idea. Now that I travel for work, uh, I don't think I want to share the car rental with anybody on my team, um, <laughs> or I I just wanted to keep it by myself. So it was a good idea yeah. for for a POC. I don't know if it will have work. For uh, for everybody, but um, yeah, so that's that's us in in like a five minute uh, summary. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, anecdotes that are gonna come back uh, as we remember. We both did uh, Android apps, and nobody mentioned it, so um, it was it was a whole developer experience on that. I like Android mm-hmm. as a user. Um, I don't use it daily. Uh, I have had Android phones. Um, I don't like developing for Android. There are too many uh, things, but I haven't done it in a while, and I heard it's better now. Uh, but I think I erased it from my memory. Yeah, it's not it's not too bad. I I had it open this morning, early, early this morning. I I don't know why I couldn't sleep. Um, and I had it open to tweak a couple things. It's better with Kotlin. That's all I got to say. If you use the Kotlin language with Android Studio, it's actually not too bad. Fair enough. Um, I, I did build a few apps and it was okay. Um, 
I, I just thought that it was funny that we erased it from our memories, and I'm sure we will we will even try to um, have some logs around that and some of that because I'm sure there are going to be <laughs> um, people listening out there and fixing stuff for us, so we are happy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, cool. And you're um, you're still at IBM, right? Yeah, As a um, solution architect, solution architect, cloud integration architect. There are there are many names uh, for my title, uh, but basically, I am I am part <laughs> of a team that uh, gets called whenever somebody really needs help and support cannot help, and uh, we work with um, customers all over the world. Uh, great team out there. Uh, I'm quite happy there. I'm learning a lot how decisions are made across the globe. They're not that different. Uh, it's all about uh, budgets and it's all about timelines. So uh, the whole world is the same. So if you're a developer working in a small market, don't think the rest of the world makes these decisions a little bit different. That's my only advice. Uh, but yeah, still there. Yeah, that, that's true. You know, I, I work for a startup, um, Pinpoint. We do um, engineering performance and productivity software for um, uh, you know for engineers, um, engineering, and. Um, and of course I worked at IBM too before that. And I think that the only difference I see is um, how fast decisions are made <laughs> and how fast you can pivot. <laughs> I think that's that, that it, like if somebody asked me to contrast an enterprise or a big software company and a startup, that would be the, the, the biggest contrast. Everything else is the same. I think yeah. it's really you, not that you, much different. You as a developer should experience a little bit of everything. I agree. Um, there is a point where even big companies or big, uh, not even tech companies, uh, they make decisions fast. So if your whole data center is down, then you're making decisions fast, where when everything is working fine, you have to go through so many approvals, where in a small company, you probably don't have to do that. And you're always in that mode of like quick reactions. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think what you guys do, it's, yeah, it's right. great. Uh, I think there is something out there and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about it in further episodes. So, all right. Cool. So awesome. why don't we spend a few minutes talking about uh, what's happening this week and some of the things that we would like to try it out. Um, there, it's WWDC 2020 this week. Apple came up with a bunch of new announcements. It looks more like uh like a mac oriented oh, uh, wwdc uh and there is definitely a wish list for friction locks yep. that we don't have prepared so this is something that we are just talking about and we want to bring some of that there are a lot of new things um and uh what do we spend with that and then um we uh will let you go to back to your other podcasts and we're going to bring some Friction logs as soon as possible so you can hear <laughs> our stories soon. Um, so, Rick, wish list for uh, WWDC. What do you want to try uh, as a developer? Oh, so there's so many um, new APIs in the in this iOS SDK. Um, I think the widget stuff definitely um, because with fish rules, I can definitely use that on the home screen where people can drop a big old um, widget fish rules shows regulations, fishing regulations based on your location. So rather than the user having to open it up, um, you know, just kind of showing like their favorite fish that they like or whatever, just right there on the home screen. Um, 
So I, I want to try that out for sure. Um, and also that new proximity API looks Using really the interesting. You want chip? I don't, I don't even is, know how they. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah. it was only uh-huh. used for airdrop, right? Yep. And now yeah, they're that looks exposing cool. some APIs where you can measure um, and you can know where devices are around you. So um, that sounds very interesting. Right, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's super interesting. I guess they did it um, for the COVID stuff, I assume. that's They're using the tracing API and stuff, and that, that's what they're doing. And I guess they just decided to open it for other Uses I'm too. sure it's called the nearby um, interaction framework, know. and apparently you can implement it using uh, the U1 chip or Bluetooth. So I think for COVID, uh, they're going towards Bluetooth, uh, but there is also the U1, uh, which yeah, um, right. I don't see a lot of use cases for that, but I can definitely see some interesting games where uh, two people holding phones and they're like lightsabers and you can <laughs> know how close they are. That would be fun, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that the other one that they, they announced, um, App Clips, which is kind of, I can't remember Android's version of this, but it's like you can try out an app or certain parts of an app without having to install the app. Um, I don't know, did you see that? That looks kind of interesting. I, I don't have a use case for it right now. Like I was trying to think like, okay, fish rolls, how would I get this to work with fish rolls? And maybe like in a bait and tackle store, someone could like scan a, a you know, they have those like app clip codes or now or something. It's kind of like a QR code, which I thought those things were dead. Apple's reviving that. I don't know what's going on there. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, show a regulation or something. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure exactly how, to make it work with fish rolls, but it looks cool. Yeah, I think there are use cases for that. I don't know how popular it's going to become since you have to either scan a QR code or you have to do NFC tags or maybe location-based. So there are there are a few constraints. It's one of those things that if you're going to do it as a company out there, I, I feel like it's just for retail or the scooters thing that they show where you can just rent that one without installing the app. And that, that's great yeah. because every city you go, whenever travel right. is allowed, again, every city has a different scooter company. So why why do you want to have like so many apps installed? You just want to rent it for uh, to go around downtown or something like that. Um, there is a market for it. I don't have any use case, like personal use cases for now. Um, but I think um, I think it's mm-hmm. it's something out there. So uh, and I think a lot of people are gonna u- are gonna build upon it. I'm not sure about how many people are gonna use it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall see. But that that's my wish list. That's what the stuff I'm gonna play with at some point. I want to try Catalyst. So last year I stay away from it because I thought that it was some mm, yeah, sort right. of a transition technology uh, between Swift UI and bringing things to the Mac and some of those things. So um, I want to give it a try. I know apps in Catalyst are, have been terrible from a UX perspective, um, but I, I think Apple is doing a lot on the Maps app and the Messages app, and I want to give it a try, and I want to see how really how easy or difficult it is to to do that. Although um, I think the Mac app market is not that big. So bringing your application into Mac is not, it's not something that, uh, that really appeals to a lot of developers. 
Uh, and it's one of the reasons why the Mac App Store is so empty and there's only right. a few apps and there's a whole other um, discussion around um, how do you uh, distribute those apps. And um, anyway, we can we can go for, for years in that, that portion of it. So I want to try Mac uh, Catalyst. That's one thing. Um, everything around the new silicon, um, Apple silicon, as they call it, is interesting. I don't have a use case. I don't think I'm going to try it. I'm not going to apply for a developer transition kit. Um, but I do want to have a Mac because <laughs> I, I did get the, an iPad this year, uh, and they're fast. They are, they're good. I'm forcing myself to use it more. We have a, an upcoming friction log where I use the iPad. Actually, we have two um, because I want it to be one of my machines whenever I'm traveling. So um, I want to I want to do that. Um, other thing that I want to try is probably around. Um, there are um, things that they did on the UI collection view. So uh, they modernize a lot on the UI collection view and on Swift UI, the lazy lists. So all of that data, I think uh, 80, 70% of the apps that I have built in the last few years, somehow they have to display a lot of data in, in rows or in icons and tiles and, and things like that. And that is one of my most familiar uh, APIs. Uh, but I want to do a friction lock of somebody that already knows the UI table view and the UI collection view APIs bring up the new stuff and see how it really benefits because I have seen a lot of promising. So um, trying to stay on, the, on those uh, guidelines, we will see how much we get. And then of course, Swift UI. Uh, Swift UI, I have done a little bit about it. I got frustrated on the first versions. It's getting better. Um, I think there is a lot of potential there because both of you and I have used frameworks like Swift UI to build UI. Um, and, and I think there is value in, in bringing those. And I think that's my list. Those, those two or three things, um, that I want to try it out. Cool. I like it real quick. Let's talk about what's coming up in the schedule. Um, so we got, I guess the seed content for friction log, the website, the podcast is all stuff that we use to build friction log. <laughs> right. So, um, we got a friction log on Tailwind CSS, um, Next.js, uh, Vercel, GraphCMS, AWS Amplify. We have one on Repolit where I try to fix some things on the website, and I uh, yeah. um, I discover a, a bunch of interesting things uh, on the platform. So we have that, uh, and also we're writing podcasts. And uh, sorry, we're writing blog posts and. Um, Grammarly just updated their iPad app, so uh, we're doing one of that. So you're gonna have a live view on how how to put our ideas together, nice, um, <laughs> and how uh, the tone corrector will make my <laughs> blog post look better. Um, so we we have one coming up on that, but that's uh, that is the stack that we use for uh, the friction lock website. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to be done. Uh, so we will keep rebuilding it over and over again. We know, uh, or I know both of us, uh, and hopefully we bring a bunch of good technologies with it. Mm. Um, so that's coming up. We're going to, um, a lot of these seed right. content, these blog posts and videos, they're, they're out there now. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more detail in the upcoming podcast. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, you have 
something to listen to, even if it's just me complaining about the tool or Rick being happy about the tool. Um, we wanna we're gonna give you some of that. And then mm-hmm. as we bring some of the things that are coming out there or that are popular with developers, I know there's a ton of uh, things going on around the Hey email app. And uh, we both have um, have our opinions on it. Uh... And we're, we're going to bring that too. Uh, so you might see episodes of things that are popping up on the deals, on the developer um, ecosystem. Um, so there, it, this is not a fixed schedule. <laughs> right for sure well that's all for today's episode of friction log thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or your favorite podcast app and visit our website frictionlog.com adios amigos